I have five sleeping children upstairs that I'm now in charge of, so if, if, oh. if I... <laughs> and it's not that I've gone to have the wife with the German Shepherd, it's that somebody's falling down the stairs or something, but it's all cool. Oh, yeah. That is someday. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Vetspace Ireland. I'm Michelle McGuire. And I'm Hazel Mullins. At Vetspace Ireland, our aim is to entertain, inform, engage and inspire. Our special guest today on the Vetspace Ireland podcast is Tom Austin, equine vet and partner of Anglesey Lodge Equine Hospital on the Curra. And we're delighted to have Tom with us as our first equine vet um, special guest on the Vetspace Ireland podcast. So Tom, welcome to the Vetspace podcast. We are delighted to have you on uh, this evening and we're very excited to hear all about your equine themed veterinary journey. You're our first equine vet um, to uh, star in our podcast. So we're delighted to have you along. Very good. We're, we've been neglecting the, the equine people a bit. So we said we better, um, we better get- <laughs> Every, every week I'm like, Michelle, we need an equine vet. I'll get on it. I'll get on it. I know Tom. So it's finally happened that Tom is on the podcast. So um, Tom, tell us about, you know, your veterinary journey and where you where it all started and, and how you've become who you are today. So I am a farmer's son. I grew up on a cattle and sheep farm. I'm a uh, not the seventh son of a seventh son, but I'm the sixth of seven. So um, why did I become a vet? Uh, I saw these people coming into my dad's yard. Uh, they generally drove a nice car. They had mobile phones that were just size of uh, a book or something. You know, you nearly needed a second person to carry the mobile phone. But I just, I just thought they were uh, great people and I liked the way they conducted themselves and I just found their work and everything. I really look forward to the vet coming and um, didn't have a horsey background at all. Um, so I got studied hard, got the points, went to UCD. I was big into, uh, if you talk to any of my classmates, they're still laughing as to how I ended up in a, in a horse practice because I was, you know, Mr. Belgian Blue or Mr. Texel Sheep. I was not reading the Irish field. I was not, horse and hound wasn't on my thing at all. But by kind of second or third year, I just started to realize maybe I wasn't all that fond of TB testing or maybe I wasn't all that fond of going to the meat factory. And I just thought, Jesus, I need to broaden my horizons here a wee bit and see what else is out there. And I uh, started seeing, uh, horse practice and small animal practice and I guess I just I liked the horses I went to the Curra uh, as a student in uh, 98 started seeing practice in Anglesey Lodge and got a job there and started working in 2000. Wow so, so have you worked then since you graduated in, in Anglesey that's yeah I don't know is there a special prize for that or am I just a really bad person to put on a podcast because my journey is kind of one stop that's it <laughs> Over. Get to a over. So that's it then. Thanks everyone for tuning in. <laughs> so my, my 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 claim to fame is I've never done a job interview or I've never written my CV because um I was sweeping the barn or emptying boxes one day, uh Christmas holidays, final year, 
And uh, Mr. Going just came up to me and said, uh, if no one else gives you a job next summer, you can come back here. And I was like, Grant. And that was it. That was my job interview. And uh, I've, I've, I've never left. So, um, I'm an accidental horse vet. I'm not. It, it's, it happened by accident, not, not on purpose. Very good. And talk us then through like the time at Anglesey, because as you said, you were a student there sweeping the barn and now you're a partner. So did you do different roles throughout your time there or um, has your role, apart from being a partner, but your clinical role, has that changed in any way or talk us through that a bit? Oh, yeah. When I when I started, obviously, I was just straight out of college. Uh, and uh, I suppose I was effectively, we didn't have an intern program at the time, but I was effectively the youngest vet in the practice. So I was the intern. So I did the hospital treatments every morning. And then I went out and I started doing revisits following the other vets around. And I had um, I had great mentors there. Mr. Going was just a great boss. And uh, you kind of quickly realised that it wasn't just about the horses or veterinary. It was actually about kind of people. And he was just a brilliant people person. And um, he was able to calm the most savage owner down. And, uh, uh, you know, if you did get a bit of a, a rollicking for a job you did, it's probably because you deserved it. And you only made that mistake once. Um, so he was he was just a, a great man, great mentor. And I just learned so much from him about horses, about veterinary, but also about people. And uh, he was just a great leader. Like everyone just really looked up to him and... Um, he, he uh, you know, you just, it's, it's kind of a strange profession. You spend more time working with your colleagues than you do nearly with your friends or your family. So, uh, so you do, you do, uh, like I have, I have five kids at home, but I spend more time with the people I work with than, than, than my five kids. So uh, you need to be able to get on with, with everybody. And um, I, I, I'm just quite lucky in that I've, I found the, the place that fitted me that let me uh, work as a vet and uh, help help people and help their horses. That's great. Amazing. And what kind of, um, so tell us then about Anglesey, because you are a partner now, and we were talking before we came on that there's yourself and you're, the, you're one of three partners. Um, so you guys are doing full surgical, full medical. Um, what, what's the type of cases that you guys are seeing or? Tell us a bit yeah, about so, the work of so the hospital. We've a, we've, a, we've a total staff of 30. Oh. And about 16 vets, um, five nurses, five interns, grooms, uh, full-time lab tech, and then five and five office people from practice manager to uh, receptionist to accounts. So um, big team, rarely you see everybody because somebody has a day off or somebody's out or um, so you rarely see all 30 people in the building. Um, so it's it's divided up in that there's four specialists that kind of hang out in the hospital. Then you have a team of road vets that are servicing the local stud farms and racing yards. And they're fixing the small routine problems, everyday problems. And then the complicated cases go into the hospital for further diagnostics or uh, medicine workups or, or go in for surgery. And then the post-ops then get kind of tossed back to the road vets, the ambulatory vets, who then follow up the cases post-op. So um, everybody kind of has to work together. And uh, I suppose everyone gets on fairly well. Occasionally you'd have disagreements. Um, 
but I don't mind that because I think that kind of shows people care. If if people are just apathetic and just went, yeah, yeah, whatever. But if people argue, actually, I don't agree with your drug dosage. I prefer this. I think that kind of shows people care a bit. Um, so there would be bits of clashes between p- clinicians occasionally. You know, um, why did you do that with the horse I sent in or whatever? But that's, you know, I think that's because people care. Um, you know, if you just dumped a case into the surgery and took no interest in it. Uh, that's no good to anybody. So um, very, very good team inside there. Juan, one of the partners is there, Simon Hennessy, uh, Imogen and Anna uh, run the, the medicine then. Um, excellent head nurse who's there 20 years, Mary Wade, um, brilliant practice manager, award-winning practice manager, Catherine McAvinney, who's there 37 years. Um, so we kind of pride ourselves in not turning over too many people. Um, and hopefully not burning out too many people, but um, it's uh, it's yeah, it's a big it's a big it's a big number of staff to manage and lots of different rotas. Like you have a road vet rota, a surgery rota, an internal medicine rota, an intern rota, a nurses rota. There's a the, the girls in the office have a rota. Who's on earlys this week? Who's on you know? So that the practice manager has about eight rotas to keep an eye on there. So. Wow. Sounds like a fantastic place to work, though. It's such a, you know, having a team, having a team like that behind you. And, and as you said, you know, having the discussions about different cases. And yeah, I definitely agree that it's, it's, a, it's a sign of, of, of a caring vet when, when you do question, but also keeps on your, on your toes and keeps you learning as well. And it's very important. But Tom, like talk us through like a typical day um, for Tom now walking into Anglesey Lodge. Like what, what, would, what would you do? Uh, so today, today was just a little bit busier than normal um, in that I was in my first yard at 6.30 this morning, uh, took some blood samples, looked at a horse, went to another yard, took more blood samples. Cur trainers love early blood samples. It's just kind of a thing down the country. No one else is mad enough to do it, but uh, they just love getting uh, the blood in and get it into the lab and then you get the results back like some of the horses I did today going to run in England so they wanted those results back before they declared the horse to run in England so I, those blood samples that I took at 6 30 and 7 o'clock I had the result on my iPhone at 9 9 30 that morning so um, you know they, they got a clean but maybe I went back to those yards later on scoped those horses um, we don't blood sample and scope every horse but maybe the more valuable ones that are running in bigger races or if someone's planning a big gamble and they want to cross all the t's and dot the i's um, the, that that that'd be what we do. I uh, went into a stud farm, looked at a crooked foal, uh, discussed it with the owner, rang the surgeon, booked it in for surgery. Um, what else did I do this morning? Looked at a foal with a hernia. Uh, had a fight with the manager as to whether it needed surgery or rings, and we couldn't agree. So I, di- I didn't. I did neither. Um, <laughs> A ring, put a couple of rings on it tomorrow I'll have my way eventually but <laughs> just t- took a bit of time to, to get everyone's head around it um, and then uh, took some x-rays of a lame horse and in the afternoon I went to one of our bigger yards and I was there for two to three hours changing bandages um, dripping horses with electrolytes um, looking at lame horses so I did very little reproduction today, actually, and then right. back back home to the clinic. Um, separated two interns that were uh, having a row over drug dosage or something. <laughs> uh, 
tried to empty out the car as best I could, refill the car, come home, play with the kids, put the kids to bed. My wife is a vet. Uh, she's a big part of my team as well. Uh, and she has her own practice. So um, as I was dialing in for this podcast, she was running out the door to a German shepherd with chicken bone issue or something. Oh so, no. So I have five sleeping children upstairs that I'm now in charge of. So if, if, oh. if I... <laughs> uh, it's not that I've gone to help the wife with the German Shepherd, it's that somebody's fallen down the stairs or something, but it's all cool. Yeah. That is someday. <laughs> I'd say now my day was very quiet, so don't ask about my day because my day is going to look really crap compared to your day, Tom. Like, yeah, that... like it's not. <laughs> it's one of my pet peeves. We just, as a profession, we need to get over the obsession with being busy all the time. Yes. I'd much prefer to be profitable all the time rather than just being busy yeah. you know um, yeah. and I suppose uh, you know we've been kind of building our numbers of staff and everything so that we have enough kind of resilience so if one surgeon is on holidays we have another guy who's the exact same set of skills to to cover if one of our medics is away at a conference I have another medic there who can treat the colitis just as well so it's to have enough resilience have enough people like I added it up today, I have six vets away today between maternity leave. Whoa. It's holiday season as well, maternity leave, uh, days off and everything. So out of the 16 vets, six are on are, are off today. So, um, you know, that that, le- that left the 10 people quite busy. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's, it's, it's just a holiday time of year. I'll have my week off for 10 days or whatever, uh, you know, at the end of the month and people will be busy covering for me so you suck it up and do it because you know they'll do the same for you yeah, yeah. swings and roundabouts isn't it yeah but um no tom. lots of clinical work anyway tom it's it's great like you know going and i just even you know going to the yards and you probably make great relationships with the people in those yards you know you're such a big part of their weekly kind of routine by the sounds of it um I suppose I'm a farm vet, so I would have a similar relationship. But I would say we, you would probably meet, you know, your clients more often and more regularly. Would you agree? Or, or oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I know I know uh, whether my racehorse trainer is in a good mood or in a bad mood by the way they walk or the way <laughs> they park their car or you know you know you're 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 very much part of the team, the vet, the farrier. Uh, the head lad, um, you know, you're on the phone to each other the whole time during the day, you know, just because you're on holidays, if there's a good horse running, they'll still want to run something by you or whatever, and you have to leave the swimming pool and sneak off and have a quick uh, call or whatever. Um, when you're part of the team, you're part of the team. And um, that it's kind of relentless. It, it can go from Cheltenham, uh, the pressure and the hype there into Aintree, into Punchestown, into Royal Ascot this week, Galway, Goodwood, uh, then, you know, the July, you know, just it's, there's always something big coming up. And, you know, one of the, one of the trainers is very enthusiastic, you know, it's Monday morning, he'd turn around to you and go big week this week. And you'd be like, really, really, that's, that's a big change from last week. Cause last week, <laughs> last big week as well, you know, it's just, that's it, almost like a, uh, being on a hamster on a wheel, it just keeps on turning. And in between that racing work, you've all you've the stud work that is just very very intense from February to May. But then our, our spring is very compact; it ends quite quickly. Okay. Um, 
in the autumn you have all the sales work so and um, there's a kind of a bit of a cycle to it. Tom just because you mentioned a hamster on a wheel there we're going to skip a few questions ahead and come back to the other ones and just say um and you maybe alluded to this as well when you said you spend a lot of you know a lot of time with your colleagues over your family how do you then manage like your work-life balance or do you or does that not exist like or, or your well-being like how do you mind your head and mind yourself when you've got such pressure yeah thankfully my wife is at work at the minute so she can't hear these answers <laughs> she, she listen podcast or not uh I suppose, look, I, I'm, I consider myself very lucky in that I love my job. Um, I love uh, my profession. I love my practice. I love working with my colleagues. So uh, do I find it tough going into work? No. You know, I'm, I'm used to working weekends. So uh, to me, a Sunday off, being left with the five kids, that is really hard work, you know, uh, tipping into work and looking at a colic uh, mad stallion that's 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 handy you know because just you're so used to it you're in your comfort zone and you're dealing like maybe it's because I've never left the practice you know and you know the joke is I just get lost if I go outside Kildare um, <laughs> you know so uh, it's what you, it's what you're used to and if you're used to doing it and you like what you're doing what you're doing it's it's not all that hard and like there's, a buzz, there's, a buzz, there's a buzz and there's an excitement of it as well it kind of is a kind of a you know, almost adrenaline junkie thing um, but oh I suppose over the years I've tried to I've tried not to you know if a good horse wins it didn't win because I'm a genius you know it, it won because it's a good horse or if, if, if a horse doesn't win you know it doesn't necessarily mean I did a bad job it's try not to get too high with the highs and try not to get too low with the lows mm. and um you know just do do your best and like it doesn't have to be a, a big winner to give you a buzz it can be a small trainer who's broke but you patch up his uh, eight-year-old croc and get him to win in the last race in Dundalk in the middle of December and that's a huge win for him yeah. you know it'd be more satisfying than a horse winning in Royal Ascot you know that's uh, that's you know Again, that's more the, the people end of it than, you know, you can make a huge difference to people's lives uh, just by just by doing your job. And it's, it's great when, you know, when people have a winner, it's just psychologically such a boost. Um, but as I, as I say to the young vets coming into the place, nobody rings you because they had a winner. They ring you because the horse came last or the horse was second or, you know, or the mare isn't in foal, you know, they have a problem. You're the problem fixer and you get out of the car. And the first words you should say is, how can I help? That's really good advice, actually, isn't it? How can I help you? Yeah, that's really nice. That was another question. What's your advice to young vets? But like, that's a really good. Um, yeah, when their day is like, as you say, you're never going out there when things are going well. So like yeah. it's they're obviously having a really stressful time and you're the person who's going to fix it. So it's probably means a lot to them just for someone to turn up and be like, don't panic. Yeah. Yeah. Managing expectations as well. You know, as, as you said, they're not going to be ringing you well done, you know, for the, the horse that wins. It's the poor performance and, and things that they're going to be ringing. But um, have you anything else to add to the new grad advice, Tom, for, for all the new grads listening? I suppose I, 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 I just went to vet school in a different way now to I see people coming out, you know, they have 
I want to do my internship in uh, Rosdales and I'm going to do my residency in Haggards and I'm going to be a specialist and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. You know, I just wanted to get a job and, and I was lucky to find a job and I didn't have a mad career path mapped out for me the way a lot of the vet students I meet now have. And they're probably, it's probably smarter that they're, they're, they're thinking further down the track. But, um, you know, a lot, uh, go back the last two, three years, we didn't have many vet students seeing practice. Um, you could, you can tell the ones who are, who are just, I have two weeks horse practice to see. I'm going to go from Dublin to the Curragh. Where's the nearest one? A for Anglesey. I'll go in there. You know, no interest. in the two weeks, they can't put on a head collar. You, you give them a chiffney and they're just like, what is this? You know, just bits and bridles, just French to them. And um, they're just putting in the two weeks. But the, re, you know, the really good students, they're like, oh, I need to go to America. I have to go to Kentucky. I have to go to Newmarket. You actually don't. If you go to one of the local practices in Kildare, you might get on really well and you never know. You might even get a job out of it like I did. You know, um, whether I'm a bluffer and I bluff my way to the top, uh, you know, I... I don't know, it just, it disappointed. COVID actually has, has swung the pendulum. They can't go to America now or they're afraid to go to new market because of COVID rates. So they're actually, we've way more Dublin students now uh, seeing practice this summer than, than previous years. That's good. Yeah. And what do you think, Tom, in your opinion, are the challenges facing the veterinary industry in Ireland um, at the minute? Um, Heavy bit. Mm. Yeah, we're 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 struggling to find uh, veterinary nurses at the minute. We have uh, we have uh, we've been joined on the podcast by a baby monitor. Okay, um, so as long as it's stay quiet, it should be all right. Um, so veterinary veterinary nurses really really hard to find veterinary nurses at the minute. Um, I'm a little bit confused as to why you know when there's so many people graduating. Um, you know, we have we've one girl out. She broke her finger. Uh, we've another girl out on maternity leave, and it's just left the team behind that are still working. You know, stretched. So you're trying to find replacements, um, and just not getting CVs. Um, so why I'm I'm kind of blaming I'm blaming the out of hours aspect of equine in that it's not very attractive. There's a lot of weekends, a lot of nights. You know, and if you get a job in your local small animal practice in Kildare, Meath, Dublin, where the cases are feeding into UCD, um, you know, it's, it's pretty hard to compete with those people um, when when they mightn't have a whole lot of night duty to do in the local small animal practice. Like I had two student nurses that were saw practice with us. They were really, really good girls. They ride their own horses. They were nailed on to, to be equine veterinary nurses. And they've both graduated now rang them contacted them and uh, they're both looking working in small animal practices no chance of getting them into equine practice they're like no i have my nights I have my nights free I have my weekends free so it's very very hard to compete with that when you're when you're doing your own out of hours um, and like we, we basically have a surgery every weekend uh, every saturday we have a surgery now and the, the practice is that big so um, you're always going to need a nurse is there any advice maybe for vet nurse students out there that might think of they'd like to do equine and might think that, you know, our, you know, your practice, you're quite open to having 
interested vet nurse students in for placement and and things like that? Yeah, um, we do get some. We do get some from Dundalk, and we get the odd ones from UCD. Um, I think, or I thought, they seem to enjoy it. Um, you know, there's a lot of things going on. There could be a dynamic scope going on. There could be uh, a nuclear bone scan going on. You know, there could be a colic surgery going on. A sick, you know, there's there's always stuff going on, and they see different stuff, but they just don't seem to end up. Uh, as as full time, maybe you can't blame them. You know, if, if the if the pay is similar, and like money makes the world go round, maybe equine nurses need to be paid a lot more than small animal nurses mm -hmm. to entice them to do the nights and the weekends. Um, and there's more know, danger element too, Tom, isn't there? I suppose you know, um, you know, with with horses and like I know yeah. when I, I worked as I did a lot of placement. I was toying with the idea of being an equine vet at one stage in my career and I did a lot of placement um, I did never did an Anglesey Lodge it was a bit far north but um, I definitely worked with amazing vet nurse um, equine vet nurses and you know they definitely get to do quite a lot as well um, you know clinically you know they do you know they're they're busy um, yeah. and it's I think it's a very interesting you know career path but I, I do I do see where you're coming from as well with the out of hours and 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 how many small animal vets now don't do their own out of hours but it's a it's a vocation I think it's either you know it, if you're if there is vet nurses listen to this and 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 I think if you do love horses and you think it's it's I think it's a great career but um I think even if a vet nurse wants to maybe end up in companion animal like the learning you'll get working in a <clears throat> hospital like Tom's, as he said, there's so much going on all the time. It will stand to you for the rest of your life, like no yeah. matter what job you do. I mean, I can say that hand on heart, um, from, because I got began my nursing career in an equine practice, you know, practice like Tom's, and it was you just like it taught me, and I've mentioned this many times in the podcast, not just how to be an extraordinary nurse, but like. There's no crisis I can't deal with even in my personal life. Like it's just, it taught me everything. And especially when you're young, like I was, you know, when I finished my nurse's training, that's where I went. And I mean, to spend one or two years even in, you know, an equine practice will stand to you gold no matter where you, you want to end up or what your career plans are. So I definitely couldn't recommend it more to any nurses out there listening. Tom needs nurses. <laughs> There's our there's our pitch there now, Tom, for you. Great. I mean it though, like I am being serious, like it will. Like, oh, yeah. 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 No, it's um, it's good. And Tom, you know, with the racing, do you go to race meetings? Is that part of your kind of downtime, or do you kind of just kind of keep track of it? How do you keep track of all the races and who's doing what? And you know, yeah, tell us more about that, maybe. First pit stop of the day uh, would be a petrol station halfway between the house and the hospital and the racing post is bought there. My wife objects to this strenuously because I've already read the racing post app on the night before. So you're looking at the entries, <laughs> at the results, you look at who bred a winner. Oh, that, that farmer up the road bred a winner. Jeez, next time I see him, I was congratulate him. So you're very tuned into what's happening. You get absorbed into the whole little bubble. You know, you might know... Uh, what's going on in the House of Lords or um, you know what's going on at the G7 summit but you know who won um, 
who won the race in Ballinrobe yesterday, you know, and you're just, you're in that bubble, you're in that zone and you're in that world. And uh, you're, you're, so do I go to the races socially? Probably not. No, I, I work at the races. I work at, at uh, uh, Punchestown. Um, uh, sometimes I, I cover for my wife and my, my father-in-law's vet as well. And um, we're kind of trying to breed a purebred uh, troop of, of uh, children. Um, so we your own. They're all going to sleep with their stethoscopes and <laughs> their little. <laughs> One of them's actually afraid of dogs, which is a little bit awkward when they go into visit. A lot of time though goes into that, doesn't it, Tom? Like looking at all, you know, the app and looking at all the, you know, because I have greyhounds myself and I, when once I started working, like I used to be mad. I used to know everyone that won a race and, and like yeah. once I started working and, you know, trying to keep up with that, I just totally lost track with who's running where and who's bred this. And, and uh, yeah, so fair, you know, fair play to keep, you know, but obviously you're in that world, you're surrounded by people talking about it every day as well. So it, it probably helps matters, you know. Right, it's time to go on to biggest life lesson. Biggest life lesson. Or one of them. Um. I'd have to say the day I was refluxing a foal in box four in Anglesey Lodge and the reflux came up the stomach tube and went all over my face and all over my mouth. And the head nurse, Mary, said, no wonder you can't get anyone to go out with you, Tom. And there was <laughs> a young female veterinary student standing in the stable and her her uh, her interest got piqued when she heard that. And uh, that's how I met my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, did she like? Was did she take pity on you, or was she just like oh, single? <laughs> Challenge accepted. All um, oh, right, okay. Yeah. Um. So that. Uh, do you think Mary did that on purpose? Now, do you think Mary was like, "Oh, he talked to Yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people found their other halves. Um, in in that particular uh, hospital now over the years. Um. So. Uh, yeah. Five yeah, children later. Best five, dating on the side. Five children and uh, two two practices. So like the conversations at night would be like, "What's your favorite type of local anaesthetic?" Or <laughs> the price of thirty mil syringes. These are fierce deer, aren't they? <laughs> oh, that's like a mm. <laughs> Price of thirty mil syringes. <laughs> like Jesus. Oh, that's a lovely story. Um, and what's your funniest kind of? I know that's one of your funniest, but like, would there be a funny kind of case or a, a situation that you've come across, Tom, in your career? Um, it can be a situation where it might have actually been funny at the time. Like, uh, for an example, yeah. we had Owen Ryan telling us about the time a bull broke out onto the Stolorganjil carriageway in UCD and they were like chasing, running after, holding onto its tail, and you yeah. know, anything at all. Okay, so uh, Oxygen Festival at Punchestown. Huge, huge crowds of people drunkenly wandering down the roads. And I was on call to uh, Fold Recolic, uh, far side of Punchestown. And I was just driving really slowly, trying not to kill all these drunken people uh, wandering around the road. And got to the farm eventually and looked at the foal. And uh, Mary was a wee bit nervous. Foal was quite bad with the colic 
And um, I just, I, the idea of treating the horse and then driving home and then having to come back, I said, feck it, I'm going to treat this foal, but I'm going to sit here and talk and wait and just be 100% because there's no way I'm going to face that traffic again. Um, so I, I treated the foal and I was just, I just hung around longer than I normally would. And I was there chatting uh, to the owner. And somehow I ended up getting between the mare and the foal and the mare just lost it and went to uh, bite me, you know, the ears went back, her mouth opened, and instinctively I ducked, and she didn't get me, but she got the owner, she bit the owner's nose off. Quick, oh God, um, There was kind of blood pumping at that stage, and then I was kind of looking for the wee bit of nose, and uh, oh. then I kind of, she was eating his nose, or chewing it, so, uh, you know, there was just blood everywhere, and I was like, oh Lord, so um, let's let's get you into the car now, Mr. X, Farmer, Farmer X, let's get you into the car and get you into Nace. And uh, no, 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 have to have to do the waters, have to do the waters, these mares, they, there's no drinkers, they, their waters need to be topped up. And I was like, no, they don't, your, your knees, no, fixed, come on, let's go. And uh, out comes the, 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 the hanky and oh, Jesus, blood everywhere. And he would not go, I could not get him to go to hospital. Uh, so eventually, uh, when I kind of thought that dripping has, you know, the way you'd be counting the drops in a heart condition. Yeah, he's not going to bleed out tonight. That's all right. So you can count the drops. Stop pumping. He'll yeah. be okay. Uh, and uh, so I was chatting to him and I was like, uh, you might want to really, if you're not going to A&E tonight, you're really going to have to go and let the doctor to look at that. And uh, he goes, ah, look, he says, you know, married to the wife 50 years. She hasn't left me at this stage. She's not going to leave me over something small like this. So eventually his came home, convinced him to go and they, they rebuilt his nose, did a fantastic job. Rebuilt his nose and uh, did a skin graft standing and uh, all, all's well that ends well. But yeah, that, that was the night. Uh, a bit weird when you see someone with two nostrils and then all of a sudden they've won. But... Oh, God, that is gruesome. <laughs> oh, wow. I was expecting that. I got a bit of a shock when you were like, and then she just bit his nose off. <laughs> yeah, it could have been worse. It could have been mine, you know. <laughs> that horses do you know I've never heard of anyone's nose been bitten off my horse yeah. like um a regular occurrence or no no it only happened to me it only happened to or that time <laughs> once uh, I do I do have a little bit of guilt for ducking out of the way you know um could have been me or should have been me but oh I'd say duck all the time duck, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ex was just... in the wrong place at the wrong time yeah, like people talk about the danger of cows and calves like it was just I was in the stable for too long and the mare got fed up with me and she just all of a sudden she couldn't see the foal and she just got cross mm. foal was fine by the way the colic totally resolved <laughs> job done anyway yeah yeah <gasps> oh my god that's brilliant Jeez, I'd say like we all have stories don't we along our careers and you know it's just remembering them um, but I think now you couldn't re- you couldn't forget that one. <laughs> no. <sighs> oh, there'll be anything else, Hazel? I think we're fairly. To be honest, like I'm kind of thinking, why didn't I become an equine vet? It sounds pretty exciting. <laughs> but um, I know it's great to have you on, Tom, and just talk through, just for people even thinking about doing equine and and you know the different different types of work that you do every day, and and it's. Yeah, it's a whole different field, you know, and it's it's good to we must get more equine vets on the podcast now and 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 um yeah. yeah we're, 
we're a, we're a, we're an unusual breed, uh, but we have we have good stories. Good stories. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Tom, thank you so much for joining us tonight, and um, we really enjoyed having you on. And and yeah, I hope I hope you enjoyed the whole and your, your kids behaved as well, which is always yep. good. Very impressive. So everyone stayed asleep. Everyone. Thanks, Tom. media and tag us whilst you're listening to the podcasts we'd love to see it